servid to have a good time. Oh, that was really bad. What okay. did you just say? Servid? Servid. What is that? Like, it's what deer are. They're servids. Hello, everyone. My name is Olivia Dove, chai tea fanatic, field frolicker, steward of the land, and a Green Iowa AmeriCorps member. And I am here today with Gina Erico, a coffee addict, plant mom. I don't even know the third one. That's how our week's going. Anyways, <laughs> and a Green Iowa AmeriCorps member. Welcome to the Backyard Club, where we will be discussing conservation on an understandable level, why we think it's so important, and how you can empower yourself and your community to make a difference for the better, one small step at a time. Today's episode is going to be a little bit different than the ones we have done prior. Instead of talking about a big generic topic, we're going to talk about something pretty specific but still important. These episodes are going to be a little bit shorter in time but still very informative and very important. Today we're talking about why I hate deer. Deer angst. Deer angst. I mean it's a pretty strong word and I'm cool with it because I feel like when you talk about like there's certain things that people don't really think about. And, like, deers is one of those things that piss people off, but nobody ever really talks about. It's like, why are they here? Why is there so many of them? Why do they always run out into your car? There's a lot of questions that we have that nobody really asks. And so when you say something like, I hate deer, everyone's like, well. It's a pretty strong topic. Pretty strong opinion. Considering we're stewards of the land yeah. and have us wrapped towards specific wildlife species. So let's, should we dive into that? Yeah. Why, why do you hate deer, Gina? What, where did this, where does this stem from? Where do I start? <laughs> let's begin. So as an undergraduate, I worked on a research project where we looked at the effect that deer had on herbaceous level forests. So from basically your feet to mid chest, we were studying these herbaceous plants and trees, looking at if we fence deer out, is there a difference in the amount of species and the kinds of species that exist and the parts of the forest that weren't fenced? And we did all this work in New Jersey, so it's a little bit different than it is out here, but it's still kind of the same concept. And so I focused my senior capstone project on looking at, in these outer unfenced plots, what's the rate of deer browse? And this is over like a 10 year period, so it's a pretty long time. What plants were they eating? And did that in turn like have an effect on the amount of species that were there? What kind of species were there? Like were deer favoring plants? And there was some research done at Penn State. They have a deer farm actually there. Oh, they like just keep like they these deer. deer. Yeah, and so they do all these sort of test, test trials essentially. They like put out plates of different like plants. Well, not, they don't, not plates, but like they put out different plants. And they allow the deer to, like, browse whatever they want to try mm -hmm. and see if they prefer certain foods over others. And so there was, like, all this work that was like, oh, yeah, well, they don't prefer these, but they prefer these and, and this and that. And then my professor wanted to look at it from our experiment, which was an unnatural setup. So there wasn't just, like, you know, 
everyone has one tree and they got to pick what tree they like the best. It was just nature. And there was no preference. They ate native, they ate non-native, they ate trees. You couldn't really, so, I mean, my work focused more on, like, woody in terms of herbivory because you can't, if they eat an herbaceous plant, it just disappears. It's just a stem. Mm -hmm. So they looked at any sort of tree, whether it was native or non-native, and then some of the woody shrubs, we had a lot of non-natives that were thorny, and they ate those too. And so it varied across all of these different forests. Every year was different. Every forest was different. And so basically... There's absolutely no way to decide like what it is the deer prefer, at least from what I have understood. And so then I started looking into, you know, how that, you know, what, how, like, how is this a thing? They just eat their generous herbivores. And so mm-hmm. it's like, well, basically nothing is safe from them in the forest because they eat everything. And so we looked at the data of just the sheer amount of numbers of plants in these fenced-in plots versus these not fenced-in plots. And it was, like, utterly ridiculous, the amount of plants that were growing up within these fenced plots versus the ones that aren't. And so they're decimating future forests because there's so many of them, and mm-hmm. there's nothing stopping them. Mm-hmm. And that's, in a nutshell, <laughs> where my anger was into <laughs> They just eat and destroy everything. Well, because there's so many of them, right? I mean, yeah, it's not like they just have... I mean, they're they're still big mammals, so of course, like, they need to eat a lot. But it's not like, you know, I'm sure the quantity of what a regular deer eats is not, you know, utterly ridiculous. But it's still, you know, multiple deer eating in one browse area. That's a lot of vegetation that's going to be... removed yeah. or eaten um there's the issue of it's not just eating the browse and nature it's in urban habitats too yeah and so deer have a specific niche that they eat in mm-hmm. they don't go really really far into forest because then you have danger of not knowing what's there and obviously mm-hmm. they don't just graze out in the middle of nowhere which i guess now they kind of do but they really focus on the forest edge. So it's like not the outermost part, but it's like right in that in that grace period. And so when human development started really kicking off, there was the bright idea of, well, we won't remove all of the forest, but we'll break it up so that we can mm-hmm. put land here and build on it, but we're not destroying the entire forest. And so if you think about it, you've got one big piece of forest and you just cut it in half, you've essentially doubled the amount of space that they have to graze in. And so in all of these areas where there are suburban areas, and even by my school when I was in college, there was a giant forest that was there, and then they cut it back to build the school. So you're extending the amount of space that they have to browse on, and at the same time, when we were doing all this development stuff, you know, their native predators consist of coyotes and wolves and lions and all of these really scary animals that obviously don't exist in suburbia anymore. Mm-hmm. And so because they have no native predators and we essentially tripled, quadrupled the amount of space that they have to eat these things, there's really nothing holding them back. And so that's kind of where we're at right now, which is why they're everywhere and they're on the streets and they're on the sides of the roads 
mm-hmm. and you hit them with your cars. Mm-hmm. Well, and I'm sure, like, isn't the main reasoning for that is because, like you said, when, when you are breaking up these habitats, you're sure you're providing more, like, browse for them, but they're fragmented, so they're not, it's not like they're all in one space. They're, like, broken up into different areas, so mm-hmm. they almost have to move around to get from one browsing area or water source or whatever it is to an, the other. Yeah. Hence deer in roadways. Yes. And that's also cheap. the thing too is that because a lot of the major highways and and roads mm-hmm. are in the middle of forests and they just split them up. Mm-hmm. And so they're all out towards the edge and so deer are attracted to light in the same way that bugs are. So you have those bug lights outside of your house. Mm-hmm. And the bugs are like, oh, cool, light. And they fly towards it, and then they zap, and they die. Which is essentially the same thing that happens when a deer sees a car. It's like, ooh, what are those pretty lights? And then they, you know, run towards the light, obviously. And they have no sense of of really perception to care that the car is driving fast. It doesn't matter to them. They just get excited about the light. So they drive, run out in front of it, and then they actually get blinded by the light for Mm -hmm. a second. So they get stunned. Which is why they just stand there. Deer in the headlights. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's where it comes from. And, you know, then obviously if you don't stop fast enough, you hit deer. And so that's been a huge problem for mm-hmm. just an anthropocentric issue, not even an environmental issue, mm-hmm. is that there's been so many car wrecks and deaths and whatever from people hitting deer. Mm-hmm. So that's also a problem. And because they're all over the side of the road, eating the forest edge, it's becoming a really big problem for people. Mm-hmm. Let's go back to the the fact that, you know, why are deer everywhere? Like, why are there so many of them? And you kind of touched on this just a second ago. Yeah. Their natural predators being gone. Yeah. So, I mean, in an ideal world, there is this balance on the food chain. People (laughs) eat animals. Animals eat plants. Plants eat fungi and other microorganisms. There's a whole balance of it. And so humans started to develop kind of messed with that a little bit because I don't know about you but I wouldn't feel super cool knowing that there was a lion just casually living down the street from me and I'm assuming that these people who developed had the same idea in Mm -hmm. mind and so you know they can deer have huge ranges of habitats and now more than ever you know they have more area to browse on and because humans have started to urbanize and develop in every single area they've removed coyotes wolves lions Mm -hmm. everything and so we as humans are essentially the only natural predators left to deer which is why hunting has become a big thing in a lot of places Mm -hmm. because there are no other you know upper level animals to go after them and eat them yeah so Hunting has become a very big thing, and it's also become a very a very debated thing, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And so, yeah, it's a hot topic because there's a lot of people who believe that hunting animals is wrong, and that's valid. Mm-hmm. But there's also a scientific reason of why people believe that it's right, mm-hmm. and why it's sort of controlled in a certain way, because if you just let the deer population run rampant, and you don't do anything yeah. about it can cause a very big problem for future forests right and plants everywhere they can they have the ability to decimate these populations because a lot of animals will just eat until they can't anymore there's nothing they don't really have that sort of complex 
that humans do. I mean, even humans sometimes don't. Like, you can sit there and binge eat a whole bag of goldfish <laughs> and, and not even think twice about it because it's that, I don't know when I'm going to eat again, so I need to eat as much as possible mentality. Mm-hmm. And so deer will just eat, and the more you eat, the more you can reproduce, and then it's just kind of this downward spiral. So hunting has become pretty important in maintaining these populations and protecting future forests. And then, you know, there's you know, the people who don't agree with it, especially when the movie Bambi came out. Freaking Bambi. Because it, it, it made, like, you know, that whole, you know, the deer are a family and his mom died. It was very mm-hmm. sad. I cried. Hunter's like, you know, it's a villain. It was traumatizing. And, yeah, but it makes hunting seem like it's this, like, gruesome, horrible thing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's a time and a place for it, which is why there's certain regulations. And, right. you know, it's not great to just go out and just shoot things and not do anything about it. Right. But there are people who right. eat the meat, which is good, right. because then, you know, you're kind of offsetting and it's not a huge mm-hmm. imbalance, whereas, like, the industrialized meat industry is, because you're, you know, you're shooting and eating what you shoot, mm-hmm. which is kind of actually pretty sustainable. Yeah, and a lot of hunters tend to use, like, the whole animal. Like, they mm-hmm. don't waste anything or... You know, they'll make art out of it, which is cool, too. But, yeah, it's known as more of a sustainable harvest. Yeah. And so that's, it's pretty, it's pretty good. But, you know, there is a time and a place for it, obviously. You Mm -hmm. know, you can't just run around and just shoot animals for absolutely Mm -hmm. no reason. Because they are beneficial in many ways to ecosystems. But it is that balance. And that's the important part here is Mm -hmm. that you have to maintain that balance. And when you take out, when you have this upset... Like, we have created where it's, they have so much space and they have no predators. It's perfect, really. I mean, mm-hmm. it's great. There's no stopping them. <laughs> and so, unstoppable deer. Yeah. I mean, so that's the thing is that by maintaining their populations, it'll, it'll yeah. sort of recreate that balance in the ecosystem. And so it's not great because, you know, humans have to be the ones to enact it. But if you don't want coyotes and wolves walking around your neighborhood, that's kind of how you have to... Mm-hmm. You just have to deal with it that way. Mm-hmm. And so it is It is a pretty important thing to keep in mind, and it is something to think about. Yeah. I mean, or you can just start. Well, I mean, I would support it. Coyotes really aren't that big either, so. Well, that that's the whole issue of it. It's like, I think in all of human history, it's like we don't like these predator animals. We don't like the wolves. We're going to kill all the wolves. That was the mentality people had. Yeah. Like in the 1900s, they just shot and killed all of the wolves. And then now, like, we're facing all of the repercussions of that today. And it's mm-hmm. like, well, like you said, if you don't like this, then you're going to have to do something about it. Otherwise, we're going to have this cascading effect where the deer are going to ruin the forests and therefore affect all these other organisms like we've talked in our other episodes. It's just mm-hmm. going to be this constant cascade to where it, it reaches this pyramid of <laughs> not a healthy environment, yeah. ultimately. They did that in Yellowstone. Yeah. They they re-released, the wolves were gone for like, what, like 30, 40, yeah. 50 years, and then they reintroduced populations of wolves, and it was like, all of a sudden, all these grasses came back, and mm-hmm. trees were growing, and, mm-hmm. and these populations were sustained, so the birds came back because there was more trees, yeah. and I think it was deer or some other population that the coyote, that the wolves were eating. And so those populations came back. And you can look it up. There's a YouTube video out there that goes through, like, here's all these things that happened in, like, the first few years that these wolves were back. Not even, like, decades. Mm -hmm. That all sort of got offset and were balanced because these 
top predators were no longer there. Mm-hmm. So you can only imagine what would happen if something like that were to be introduced into an urban area. Obviously, it's a little bit more different because, you know, there's not people living in Yellowstone, so it's fine. <laughs> but it is something to think about. And like you said, if, if we choose to live a way where we upset this ecosystem, it is our kind of responsibility to mm-hmm. sort of jump in. You know, not like everyone has to go out and start shooting deer today. That's no. fine because personally, I don't want to, but... You know, it is an understanding that we have to have is that we set our, our ecosystems up this way and we do have to kind of mm-hmm. kind of do something about it. Mm-hmm. And that's why I hate deer. <laughs> Another thing uh, that I just want to mention really quickly, because it, I think it's just another um, piece of evidence to show like deer really do need to be managed and, and, and less so for our sake and for you know the forest's sake although that's you know the main purpose is just keeping everything in balance as much as possible but also for the deer's sake a lot of people aren't familiar with it but chronic wasting disease i don't know if you've heard of it before it's literally like deer zombieism it's wild i think i have heard of this it is this disease that is uh tse which is called transmissible spongiform encephalopathies so it's not a bacteria or a fungus it's literally just your proteins in your brain they fold and then they continue to multiply and so basically the deer's brain just becomes like a sponge and they get really gangly and thin and sickly and it's it's a terminal disease so if if deer get it they they're basically going to die which is very sad yeah so there's there's no cure that is known as of yet and so this disease is pretty easily transferable through water, through bodily fluids, through, you know, just con- so deer coming in contact with other deer. And there's no such thing as deer masks. So it's like, it's literally, it's a <laughs> pandemic. For, yeah, deer. <laughs> for deer. So it's really unfortunate. But if you have, if this disease is prevalent in a particular area, you have to manage the population. Otherwise, it's going to be catastrophic because it's not only a disease that affects just deer but also elk I'm pretty sure moose and I know it affects reindeer so like a lot of animals in the cervid family mm-hmm. so it's it's actually a pretty like scary disease when you think of it and yeah. luckily I don't think it was associated with like any human effects that we know of yeah I was gonna say but like if yet. it were it's literally in comparison to like zombieism essentially because your brain just becomes like mush and yeah. you just are like zoned out it's really terrifying but like also interesting at the same time so i mean that's just another example deer really do need to be in check um yeah. <laughs> to say it to put it you know quickly yeah and then that's how it really goes for any sort of population you see I mean, you know, current pandemic situation when mm-hmm. humans are living close together, mm-hmm. so easy to spread things. And so it's the same thing for deer where it's like, okay, if, if they're not all on top of each other and their populations are managed, you mm-hmm. can sort of not eliminate, but you can mitigate certain yes. sort of diseases and then it prevents it from spreading to other deer, other species, and potentially to humans because viruses are a fickle thing and you know (laughs) as we've learned as we've learned and so you never really know I mean nature's just gonna do what nature wants to do and so by jumping in there and sort of messing with it it is kind of scary to see you know how it'll sort of offset itself in that kind of way 
That's wild. I didn't know that there was zombie beer. Just look up a picture sometime. It's it's interesting. But every time like I hear about a zombie animal disease, I'm like, oh my god, is this gonna is this gonna <laughs> happen? Potential. Is this gonna be it? Is this where it turns into The Walking Dead? I don't know. From deer. Oh dear. <laughs> there it is. I was waiting. Oh. Surprised it didn't take you sooner to do oh. that. <laughs> Anyways. Yeah. I mean, deer. Overall, they're fun. They can be cute, but like all things, there is a balance to nature, and we as humans have done a fantastic job of wrecking that balance and so unfortunately now we're kind of responsible for fixing it i mean not you and i specifically but as a whole there are things you can do i mean whether it's choosing to go out and sustainably harvest deer during the appropriate seasons just educating yourself about it not being a fool and going out and messing with dead things, which you shouldn't do anyway, but... Street smarts. Street smarts, yes. Just being more aware, you know. Mm -hmm. All right, that's all for today. Thanks for listening in and joining us on this journey of becoming nature warriors. As always, stay safe, think smart, and don't forget to enjoy nature. For information and resource links for today's episode, check out our website. The link should be in the bio. Don't forget to like and subscribe. If you're interested in guest starring, contact us via the form on our webpage. <laughs>